This is Living Lean, the show that teaches you how to apply the science of nutrition and training to sustainably create your leanest, strongest body and build the most confident version of yourself. I'm your host, Jeremiah Bear. Let's get into the show. What is going on? Welcome back to the show. Today, we have a Q&A. We have some really good questions today. I'm stoked about this. I always love when I get like a different variety of questions. Um, anyways, let's go ahead and dive right into it. First question was, what is the best way to tighten fat around the armpits slash back? Not just triceps. All right, so this is straight up all about nutrition. There is the idea which has really thoroughly... Well, honestly, this for a long time they thought we couldn't spot reduce, and then there's like sometimes we can bring localized blood flow to specific areas, and kind of, but the reality is we don't need to go too far down a rabbit hole. It all comes down to nutrition. Basically, how I typically break this down when people have quote unquote problem areas, which we normally all have, like for a minute it'll be around the stomach. When we'll notice more arms, thighs, a lot of hormonally how our body and just some sex differences where our body preferentially stores fat but um people will have these problem areas they notice and they want to tone up those areas specifically by really training that area and we know that we can't really spot reduce so we can build the muscle underneath that layer of fat. So say you have flabby arms is the most common example of this. This is the most common one I get asked about or like your core. So say you have flabby arms, you want to get rid of them. You can train the muscle underneath that quote unquote flab a shit ton. You're not going to do anything about the flab, which is a layer of fat. You can build a bigger muscle underneath that layer of fat, but the only way to actually lose that fat is by creating a calorie deficit, eating fewer calories than you are burning in a day. So straight up, it's not complex. It just comes down to being very consistent with a calorie deficit. So basically figure out what, about where you maintain. I would create about a 15% deficit from there. So decrease your calories by approximately 15%. Um, make sure you're eating about one gram of protein per pound of body weight. That's the highest number of food that'll keep you full. That'll help you burn more calories of the overall percentage that you're eating. And from there, just control calories. Be very consistent. And shameless plug, if this is your first time like really going through a fat loss phase, hire a coach. In three months, you'll learn a shit ton that'll set you up to be able to successfully create the body composition that you want for the rest of your life. So again, all about nutrition here. 99% nutrition. Don't try to spot reduce it. Get that nutrition dialed in. Next question. Is resting between sets really necessary? So I would say yes. Um, like getting too hyper-specific with your rest periods isn't the most important thing. But the reality is most of us don't rest long enough so the problem with cutting your rest periods too short is when we're talking about being able to build lean muscle the primary driver of that is going to be progressive overload right basically we're able to do more in the gym over time which generally comes through 
increasing load, doing more reps with the same load, adding more sets with the same load, or a load that gets you in your effective rep range, so within five reps of failure, we can say, or doing the same weight in a more controlled manner. There's tons of ways to, there's tons and tons of ways to increase progressive overload, but the point here is, if you're cutting your rest periods to, let's say, 30 seconds to a minute between sets, the amount of load you can lift in your overall volume being sets times reps times weight, which is one of the primary drivers of hypertrophy and intensity being load in this case, so the weight that you're lifting, both those very important factors for building lean muscle are going to diminish a ton, a lot more so than they would if you are resting, say, two to three minutes between sets. So this really turns it into like a very ineffective way to build lean muscle. So if that's your goal, absolutely don't cut your rest period short. There's also this thinking that like, okay, so what if my primary goal is to get leaner? Doesn't it make more sense to cut my rest period shorter and then therefore like burn more calories because it feels like I'm a lot more fatigued? No, it doesn't. So in this case, you're really not increasing your calorie burn by that much. You're maybe increasing the calorie burn over the course of the workout by like a very small amount. I would say 50 calories. So basically, you're just getting like a spork, like a shitty spoon of shitty fork out of your workout. It's not very good for building lean muscle or very good for burning fat. Whereas the long-term effects on your physique of just resting longer and building lean muscle will be much more beneficial. So the thing here is, again, with rest periods, like most of us need to rest even longer than we think. So there's peripheral fatigue and systemic fatigue. So peripheral fatigue is really like when you feel a muscle really burning, really fatigued. Now that's going to diminish a lot quicker than systemic fatigue, which you can really just think of as like the system wide fatigue in your body. So think like a let's say a heavy set of hack squats, a challenging set of hack squats. Your quads stop burning, but that doesn't mean that you're fully recovered yet. It takes longer for the systemic fatigue to reduce, sometimes up to even like five minutes. Now I get it for most people, resting like three to five minutes between sets isn't realistic. So generally the guidelines I give are for your more compound movements, basically the more muscle groups you're using in a movement, the longer you should rest to get the most out of your training session. So typically for movements like let's say a squat or a deadlift, we're gonna wanna rest two to three minutes at the least to be able to effectively perform our next set. Now when we get to something like a lateral raise or a bicep curl, obviously it's not gonna take as long for us to recover, so we can cut that down to a minute. So, but typically like it's a very generalized guideline, isolation work, cut it closer to 45 to 90 seconds. For your compound work, two to three minutes rest is smart. All right, next question we have. I keep hurting my back, lifting heavy. What am I doing wrong? So here, this is a very hard one to answer because this is a very individualized question, but we can go through like some basic things that when new online clients start that were suffering from back pain before they started coaching, these are typically like the issues that we address. So first and foremost is generally a lack of core stability. So we want to make sure, and most people have just heard like, okay, your core 
is what helps stabilize your spine, your core is what protects your back. So most people will do like a ton of crunches and hanging leg raises, but the reality is movements like that aren't going to do very much at all to actually train your ability to resist movement to really protect your spine. So we need to also train anti-movement exercises. So basically anti-movement exercises fall into three classes. We have anti-extension, anti-rotation, and anti-lateral flexion. So you can think of anti-extension as like a plank. We're trying to resist extension at the hips or through the lower back, excuse me. We can think of anti-rotation as something like a power press. Obviously, we're trying to er, resist rotation. And then finally, you could think of anti-lateral flexion as like a suitcase carry or a heavy farmer's carry. We're trying to resist basically that side bend motion. So if you really want to build a bulletproof core, protect your back. I like to, for clients that struggle with back issues, like work one variation of each of these movements in throughout the course of your training week and really progress those across the training phase and really focus on these consistently. Now, the beauty of this also is a lot of movements. We can train both. We can really kill two birds with one stone. So like a renegade row is a great example of that. We're training anti-extension and anti-rotation both at the same time. So we can be very efficient with this, but just focus on anti-movement work first and foremost. Second, your form might just be shitty. So... I would record yourself doing whatever movement you typically hurt your back with, with obviously a lighter weight than normal. And also you might just need to drop the load, but record that, see if you can see any issues. And again, this is a good time to, if you're really struggling with this, hire a coach to really analyze this for you. Um, Weak glutes and hamstrings are also typically an issue here. So you can really think of your glutes, especially as kind of the foundation to your lower back. When we think about the role of the glutes, it's extending the hips or pushing the hips forward. So when you think about like in a deadlift, for example, we're basically pushing the hips forward to get that weight up off the ground, right? But if our glutes are too weak, then a lot of that work is going to come from the lower back, we're just going to put a lot more stress on it and can lead to a lot of back injuries. So strong glutes, strong hamstrings. And as a general guideline, I like to get my online clients doing posterior work. So work for the backside of your body, glutes, hamstrings, back, upper back, twice as much as work for the front side of the body because your upper back plays a similar role with the shoulders. Hamstrings help stabilize the knees. The muscles of your backside are just very, very important, whereas they're like less appealing for most of us to train because we can't see them as much. They are the muscles that keep you healthy and pain-free for the rest of your life. So they're really what give you longevity in a program. So it's super important to train these a lot. And I would argue a lot more than the muscles on the front side of your body. And then finally, learning how to breathe and brace correctly is huge. So this really, I like to prescribe kind of like, or talk people through it similar to a Valsalva maneuver, really when you're bracing. So basically when you're setting up for a heavy lift, how you breathe makes all the difference 
in whether your core muscles are stabilizing your spine or kind of just loose and more fluid. So typically what I keep people is one, we want to pull a big breath of air into your belly. Like you're trying to make a basketball belly. Or I typically tell people, stick your thumb in your mouth, blow against it as hard as you can without letting any air leave your mouth or your nose. Do that right now. All right, so you feel how that kind of blew up your belly? That's where we're gonna start. Next, what I want you to do is imagine you have to pee really bad. You're trying to hold that pee in. You're gonna feel that kind of contract in the floor of your stomach. You're gonna hold that and then push that air in your stomach. Basically push push your tongue against the roof of your mouth as hard as you can. That's also gonna basically, you're gonna feel that air kind of pushing up, but not actually leaving. So there we have a lot of what we call intra-abdominal pressure. Your core is very tight. So through the bottom half of say a deadlift, once we get like past our sticking point, we can start to let that out a bit. So basically once we get about two thirds of the way up, you can start to let go of that a bit. Similarly with a squat, But through that most challenging portion of the movement, if we hold that, your core is going to be so much more stable and rigid. Now, one disclaimer there, if you are somebody that struggles with, if you have very, if you have heart issues, this is a little bit more dangerous. I would definitely look into the Valsalva maneuver if you have like any issues like that before you start doing it. But for most people, that's in a very effective way to get your core quote unquote turned on and really protect your spine a lot more as you're lifting. All right, final question, which wouldn't fit in the question box, but it was, what's your take on people that say you need to eat carbs with protein in order to shuttle the protein into your muscle cells? All right, so the thinking here is, which this is a common um, kind of misunderstanding, the thinking here is, we need to eat carbs with protein because carbs spike insulin. Insulin is essentially a shuttling agent. So the role of insulin, it basically opens up all these different cells throughout your body, be it muscle cells, liver cells, or fat cells to allow blood sugar, blood glucose to enter. So the thinking here is we typically associate carbs with spiking insulin. So insulin helps manage your blood sugar and shuttle it throughout the body. So the typical thinking is we eat carbs, they turn into a lot of blood glucose or blood sugar, and then insulin rises to handle that. So if we don't eat eat carbs with our protein, there's going to be nothing to send it to these muscle cells because there's not going to be any insulin. But the reality is Carbs aren't the only thing that spike your insulin. Studies have actually shown that whey protein spikes your insulin a lot. And most proteins will, we'll see an insulin spike with protein. So we don't need, we don't need carbs there to create this insulin to shuttle protein to your muscle cells because protein can do it on by itself. Now, I would argue that if you have the macros for it, it's going to be more optimal post-workout to intake both protein and carbs, but we it's not a necessity for that protein to be shuttled to your muscle cells. All right, guys, and that is all we have for the Q&A today. So before I let you go, 
do me one quick favor. If you're taking value from this podcast, take a screenshot of your phone right now, take a screenshot of this podcast and share it to your Instagram story. Tag me so I can connect with you. And if anybody you know would take value from this podcast, send it to them. Together, we're really growing the reach of this podcast and it means the world to me. And that is all for today. Thank you for tuning in.